Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast recording here on a Thursday morning. The All-Star break is coming to an end. And boy, we have a great show for you today. Brian Seaman, the voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, joins us. Before we get to him, folks, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. Not going to waste any time. We're going to go straight to our guest to talk some Clippers basketball. You hear him on Bally Sports. Brian Seaman, a friend of mine. Glad to have him back on the show. Brian, what's going on? It, that's what that mute button is for. Uh, it's great to talk <laughs> to you again. Uh, always happy to chat some Clipper basketball. There's been a lot of fun things that have happened this year. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And glad to have you. And this has been quite the odd season, Brian. Obviously, we haven't seen Kawhi yet. He gets hurt last year in the playoffs. PG ends up getting hurt in what is a very strange injury, one that we thought was going to be short-term initially and has turned into a longer-term injury. And we're recording this on Thursday, supposed to get the MRI results, I believe, tomorrow. So we'll see what that means for his return. And then, of course, you have Norman Powell, who gets acquired by the Clippers, and then he gets hurt. It, It must be weird as a broadcaster to have a team that has all of these studs in Kawhi, PG, Powell, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with a team that now is eighth place in the Western Conference. It very well could be top three. What's it been like broadcasting this year for a team that was supposed to have such high aspirations but then gets decimated with injuries? It's been a blast. This has been one of my favorite seasons, quite honestly, as far as just a day-to-day covering the team. Obviously, being back out on the road has been a ton of fun as well. Uh, I think one of the harder things to do in in our profession, and and let's be clear, our profession isn't splitting atoms or trying to cure any major diseases, but going into a season with lofty expectations and not having those met is always a challenge. But there's been different reasons. You know, I mean, ours is injury influence. There are teams that have been whole that aren't very good and nobody knows why. And it's tough to cover those teams. So for this front, you know, I think when we, when we knew that Kawhi would be out maybe all of the season, I don't know. I don't know what his timeline to come back is if it at at, at all this year. So when I, I just kind of put him in the, on the back burner and I thought, let's say Kawhi doesn't come back. Our championship hopes are probably not very strong. So let's enjoy the ride. And that's what I've done. It's been a lot of fun to see, Obviously, Reggie Jackson have more of a kind of a featured role. We've seen, you know, Terrence Mann step up. We've seen flashes of Brandon Boston. We've seen Isaiah Hartenstein. We've just had a lot. I've had a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this year a ton. 
And I look forward to next year when we are fully loaded. I was going down the roster, and I'm like, man, there's going to be some very good players that don't see the floor every single night. And it's going to be a, an embarrassment of riches going forward for the Clippers. But they put themselves in such a great spot in the Western Conference. And I think these next nine games, you can go back 10 games with that Houston game prior to the All-Star break. These next 10 games, that Houston game included, are going to really tell us where the Clippers will be. Will they be a 7-8 possibility or will they be a 9-10 possibility? Unlikely they climb into that top six, but crazy things have happened. But I just, I've loved this season. It hasn't been hard at all in that regard. I've just enjoyed being back out on the road, being able to chat with the guys, and it's felt somewhat normal. So I, I'm, I'm never going to complain. My job's pretty good either way. You led me to one of my questions. I was going to ask what it's been like being back on the road and broadcasting games as opposed to being in the truck because that's such a difference as a broadcaster, being around the team and kind of knowing the vibe of the team and being there in the arena versus being in a truck and calling a game off of a screen. How different has it been this year compared to last? No, I mean, it's night and day. So, like, part of the fun for me, and, and it changes, I think, for every broadcaster – is to have information that others cannot get. And when last year we were literally in the bubble, we were calling these games from a truck uh, sitting in a studio that was really a storage bin made up into a studio. Uh, I had no access, literally none to the players. So I didn't know anything about Nicholas Batum other than what he said to the general media. I didn't have those opportunities to say, hey, when you played for this coach, what was it like? Hey, you're going back to Portland. Tell me about your time there. And have little kind of small stories that you can weave into the show, you know, during a free throw or during a dead ball situation. And it really took the fun out of it, like to the point where I thought, man, if this was the case for the next few years, I would have to adjust my expectations for the excitement level because it's just my, my fun part of it is having things that others don't. Now that we're back out on the road and you can talk to players and you, it, you know wearing a mask and you know, honoring the social distancing and all that kind of stuff, you can still get those stories and you can still have that kind of info that no one else gets. And that, to me, has made a world of difference uh, from the travel standpoint. I was a little apprehensive. You know, we're, I've got a family, a young family, and been there for two years together. I was apprehensive to go on some of these long road trips, but... Uh, as it turns out, it's been a blast. Our travel party has been phenomenal and a ton of fun to be around. The games have been competitive, and it really does feel like old times, like 2019 all over again. So it's been fun for a lot of different reasons, and, and I just feel like I've got the best job in the league. And you've got a team that is sitting at 30 and 31 right now, and it's so interesting watching this team this year, Brian, because – there are games you go and you lose to a team like the Pelicans, and there's so much frustration that I personally feel as a fan. That Why are you losing this type of game? And then you go and you beat the Warriors, and the next night you take the Suns down to the final couple minutes, and you're wondering, what's going on with this team? Why are they playing like this against the Pelicans and playing a different way against the Suns and Warriors? But that's got to be the fun of it this year with a team that you really don't know what you're going to get on any given night apart from most of the time, 100% effort, and one of the best coaches in the league in Ty Lue. It's got to be fun for you as a broadcaster, kind of having that not sure what's going to happen tonight when you come into the arena. Is that is that a good take? 
It, it is, you know, and I've, I've mentioned this before, you know, I go back to the 2019 team that went to the you know playoffs with Golden State. It, there's a lot of similar vibes this year. I thought that that was going to be the case. It has turned out to be that. And I feel like you just are happy with any win. You know, you feel 10 feet tall when you win. They almost feel like double win sometimes, like coming back from down 20, which they've done four times, is always just a blast to be a part of versus, say, you go back to the 1920 team when the Clippers were expecting to win the championship. And I was part of that crew, too. I expected them to win it. But when you go on a five-game winning streak with a team that's a favorite, you, you lose sight of the little things. When you beat a good team, you're supposed to beat that team. The problem is when you lose a game, which is going to happen, everyone hits the panic button and says, hey, this is going to be the way it's going to be in the playoffs. We can't rely on him. I think you lose sight of it. These seasons like we're having right now, I think are as fun as winning a, you know, we're having a championship caliber team because you just enjoy the little things so much more. You lose sight of the big things, I feel, uh, when you're a championship caliber team and you beat, you know, say four or five teams in a row, nobody really appreciates it. So this has been a ton of fun. And you mentioned Ty Lue. I mean, he's ridiculous. We get into situations, you know, where we're down 15 at halftime. I don't even worry. I'm like, well, he's going to come up with the adjustment and we're going to get back into this game. You know, the players still have to make shots, but he does so many unbelievable things. He's a savant on the sidelines and we're just so blessed to have him. And he's a, on top of that, just a terrific guy. What's it been like for you with that transition from Doc to Ty Lue? It's 180. It's a 180, but in, in no negative ways. You know, Doc is a guy. Um, so I do interviews every night, and I'm very lucky to do that. The coaches don't have to, to agree to that. Uh, with Doc, uh, I would ask him maybe if, if I asked him five questions, two of them would be basketball. And then we would do like a city quiz where I would just have funny, goofy questions that he preferred to talk about it. We would get off on tangents and stuff. It was fun. Like it was a fun interview and he would laugh. And, and again, sometimes he wouldn't even talk about basketball. It was just, you know, a, a fun, I thought a fun segment in the pregame show with Ty. It's the opposite. He only wants to talk basketball and that's fun too. And so you can get really great answers. You can get into it. Um, uh, with him and you can really get into the X's and O's and it's been great, but he's all business and I love it. And the results speak for themselves. Ty Lue is such a, a great coach that, you know, he is, we, we have a chance to be well over 500 in a week or so uh, if everything can go their way and it's going to be astounding. He won't get it, but there's not a better coaching job in the league this year. Yeah. I mean, you look at what they've done and right now they're sitting at 30 and 31. You mentioned what's coming up at, L.A. and then two at Houston and then against L.A. again, then New York before Golden State on March 8th. I'm curious to get your take on this because you've been around the team as much as you have. The record's 30 and 31. Do you feel like that's a good representation of where the Clippers have been this year? And do you think they deserve that 30 and 31? Do you think it should be higher? Do you think it should be lower? Because as someone on the outside, it does feel like that's about right, given the amount of injuries they've had to deal with and all the COVID they had to deal with. It seemed like every single game, someone else was entering protocols when they get somebody back. And then, of course, the injuries. It feels like 30, 31 is about right, and they could be even lower. But because of the coaching job, that's where they're at right now. I agree with that. I think they are a 500-ish team to this point. They've had a difficult schedule. They've had a, a road cycle here over the last uh, maybe two months that is, I mean, it was challenging. We were on the road for two straight weeks, I mean, and playing difficult teams in difficult environments. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy, but they went four and four on that trip. 
and, and a lot of it had to do with coaching. A lot of it had to do with intestinal fortitude for the players and just a mental toughness that we've come to know and, and expect, but this is where they are. You know, we can mention the Pelican losses and, you know, they gave up a 20 point lead in one of those games, but you can't do that. And then not talk about the 35 point comeback, the 25 point comeback against Denver, the big comeback against Philadelphia. There are a lot of games they should have lost that they ended up winning. So it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't even even out. The Clippers are a plus in the categories of games they shouldn't have won but did versus the games they shouldn't have lost but did. And I, I, like I said, I've loved watching this team. These guys give an effort. And, and I just kind of felt like over the last month or so, going back to that, that road trip, that something has clicked with this team. And I asked Ty about it right before our last game, and he said, defensively, we are all – kind of in in a good groove i hope it stays they'll need it uh you know as they open up the the post all-star break but they left and, and they went in with with a good mindset and a great spirit even in losses you felt like no big deal man they played the right way and i've asked ty about that i think like, what's worse playing well or yeah, playing well and losing or playing like not a great brand of basketball but still winning he's like i'd be up more after the win Versus when we lose, I just know if we play the right way, given what we have, uh, we'll be just fine. And they are. They are just fine. They're going to have their opportunity in the playing game. Who knows if Paul George and Norman Powell will be available for that. That would be terrific if they were. And, you know, roll the dice and, and take on either Phoenix or Golden State in that first round. And you mentioned the amount of games they play. I mean, they played 61 games. I think Law Murray tweeted this out, that they're the only team – in, in history to play 61 games before the all-star break which is just crazy i know it's a little bit later this year but i think they're the only one that's played 61 then of course you get the five games in seven days and how I many they've had to deal with that and then of course you go with the new year's eve to new year's day oh um, come on back yeah, to that was back. A joke. i mean yeah. it just feels like the schedule makers have just been against the clippers even going back to the playoffs last year where Every other day, the Clippers had a game for what I feel like was an entire month. And then you had some teams that would sit three ga- three days before a game. It just feels like the schedule makers certainly have not been on the Clippers' side this year. And despite all that, they're sitting at 500. It, it must be hard for you, even as a broadcaster, to go from Toronto to Brooklyn or Brooklyn to Toronto in that New Year's, Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day thing. It's crazy. That was a joke. I saw that on the schedule, that whole area, that whole trip. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that, that was a joke. And yet they still found a way to win in Brooklyn against both Durant and Harden without our top three, four scores. Marcus Morris didn't play in that game. PG Kawhi was out as well. We didn't have zoo. We didn't have Luke. Those guys were out with health and safety protocols still found a way to get it done. So you know, I look at the schedule making. I agree with you. To me, it was like, okay, Kawhi's not going to play. The Clippers aren't going to be in the title hunt. If we need to unload pressure for another team schedule-wise, we'll just give it over to the Clippers. I, I believe that. I really do. And I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it is what it is. You still got to play the games. Nobody cares. No one's going to look back at this season and remember that that cruel back-to-back that you referenced on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. They'll look at this. They'll look at the standings. They'll look at the the outcome and you know, that's how it will be. But we'll remember how challenging it was. And I think the Clippers have been up for the task all year long. I just I just love teams like this. And it, like I said earlier, it, this has been such a blast for me to cover this group. And this, the entire travel party all year is just next level. It just makes 
you know, all of us have families at home. It's hard to leave them. But when you go and you're with a good group, it, it makes it a lot easier. There really is a certain dynamic when you're broadcasting or following a team that is supposed to win. I mean, you go back to the Lob City Clippers, and JJ talks about this all the time on his podcast, where it really feels like they were expected to win each and every night. And then when they lose, you're disappointed. Whereas this team, there are games you don't expect to win. I, I feel like the, for what you're, and I, I hear you, I agree with you. Like, you enjoy the regular season with a team like this yeah. versus the team that we're expecting to field next year it almost feels like you're racing through everything just to get to April and the playoffs and you miss the little things. I talk about enjoying the process all the time and, and I'll do it again next year. Knock on wood, you know, we'll be healthy going in there and, and be ready to roll. But I, I've actually come to very much value the regular season. And I go back to that Laker title team in 2020 in the bubble. They played in overdrive every single night. They had to, to win ball games. And I think that mentality carried over into the bubble. They didn't lose that. They maybe weren't as sharp as they should have been to start that bubble, but they played hard. I felt like at times the Clippers in that year eased their way into the season. And I, I feel like you got to play all out. And I would love to look and see what the highest seeds are that have won championships. That's going to be part of my, my prep for, for the next week or so. Uh, to see, you know, what's the lowest level seed that has won a championship and then go through their schedule and go through their availability and see why were they struggling in the regular season. I just think the regular season creates habits that are required to win a championship. Everybody says that it doesn't matter until the playoffs. I totally disagree. And in teams like this, you enjoy all the little things. You enjoy all the wins, even the losses. You mentioned the Phoenix game. I was so proud of that team. Back to back going up against the best team in the league and they gave them all they could handle. Uh, it's amazing, you know, and next year we're going to take things like that for granted, I think. But again, we've got our eyes on a bigger prize. We're trying to win the championship. I totally understand it, but enjoy the entire season. you got to enjoy it all. Only one team gets to win it all. Clippers know how hard it is. We talk about luck. It is You need a lot of luck as well. Clippers are trying to control that as much as possible with a, a wildly talented roster going into next season. So it'll be fun to watch either way, but enjoy all the wins. That's going to be my message going forward. Yeah, you got to enjoy what we have now. Hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props from the biggest names playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points with a share of the nightly win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners again. That code is ethos over at Thrive Fantasy dot com i want to get your take on a couple of clippers brian because we have to start with amir coffee and and what he has brought to you as a broadcaster with the added jolt of energy that he gives you on a nightly basis you go back now a couple of years with these puns and then all of a sudden you go from seeing a guy that comes off the bench for a couple of minutes that is fun to kind of talk about to now being an actual rotation player. What has it been like for you to watch that growth of Amir Coffey? Well, he's a great guy. So I'm rooting for him and his success. And, you know, the, the coaching staff had seen it from day one. They felt that he had this ability that we're seeing. And, um, you know, I think it's very challenging for a player to come in 
in the spot minutes that he would play and, and still make an impression with, with his teammates and with his coaches, but that's what he was able to do. Uh, I'll, I'll be I didn't know what his ceiling was. And throughout the course of the first part of the season, I just kept thinking to myself, he reminds me of like Nick Batum. So I went over and I talked to him. I asked him, who do you, who do you, you know, kind of, you know, look up to in the sense of um, patterning your game. And he's like, well, I kind of watched everybody. And so then I said, what about Nick Batum? He goes, it's funny that you say that. Lawrence Frank pulled me over and said, I should be watching Nicholas Batum all the time and watch the little things that he does. So then I went to Nick Batum and I said, a lot of people think he looks like you. He's kind of playing like you. He's like, I I agree. You know, one thing he does really well is move without the ball. And so I asked him to, I, I asked, Nick to say, well, tell me what that means. What is that? What, why is that a big deal? He's like, anybody can run around, but you have to know exactly where you're going. And he said, Amir has that ability to just know the right place. He's got a great feel for the game. And he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He really doesn't. So to see his evolution, he went from a guy that people were hoping could be very good to now we know he's very good. He's a legitimate NBA basketball player. I hope he's in a Clipper uniform forever. And to your point initially, I was uh, I didn't anticipate him playing 30 minutes a game. So my my coffee pot pun is running very low and he may need to be retired unless people don't mind repeats. But uh, I'd love it if he was here because I think he can make a huge impact for a championship caliber team. I'm looking forward to seeing what his next chapters are here with the Clippers. Did it get to a point that before games you were going online and Googling coffee and trying to find <laughs> synonyms and trying to find as many different analogies as you could find? find? I, I don't th- No, not quite. But I mean, maybe I should. Maybe that would help with the uh, <laughs> refills on those puns. But <laughs> Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's, it's honestly, it's not something that I wanted to do. Quite frankly, it's, uh, I go back to the, I just told my wife, this, we were in, uh, we were in Honolulu for the all-star break and we drove right by where we had called my first ever game on TV as the quote unquote voice of the Clippers. And uh, the first game I did, I say coffee to the cup and he lays it in. And I said, I, I immediately apologize on the ears. Ah, I won't do that. I'm sorry. I apologize. I won't do that. I didn't want to come on too strong. So uh, I, I didn't want to be that guy that was kind of, you know, showing too much personality when, when nobody knew who I was at that time. And so I apologized. And I got a lot of people on Twitter and, and comments when we got back into the States to saying no, we want more of that. And that was awesome. So I was stunned as anybody that it, that it was something people enjoyed. I, I don't know how many more I've got left, quite frankly, but I have enjoyed it. And to his great credit, he's been a great sport about it, too. So uh, it's been fun. Uh, but again, I, I look forward to just talking about a beer, the great basketball player as we go forward. Yeah, it makes games even better. I mean, when you're waiting for that next pun, and then of course it depends on the anal- <laughs> the analysts that you're with, where you've get you get the different reaction from different analysts, and they're they're just looking at you like what what, and then some just embrace it and love it. So that, that of course brings an ad element. It's it's fun. Um, what's interesting about this Clippers team, Brian, is that. Their development staff has done such a great job. And you look at guys like Reggie Jackson. You look at guys like Nick Batum, who were kind of castaways. And then, of course, look at the younger guys like Mann and Coffee. It's been really fun watching these guys take a step up, whether they're older and they're taking it to a gear that they had previously, or they're younger and they're continuing to improve. You mentioned earlier on in the podcast about the depth on this team. And I was talking a couple episodes ago 
with Shane Young, and I was saying, you know, where do you see Amir Coffey? He said he's probably the eighth or ninth man next year. And then I started listing off guys on their team. He goes, well, maybe you're right. I don't know if he cracks that eighth or ninth um, team. So I'm curious, for you, what do you think about the depth on this team and whether we might see some of these guys maybe go somewhere else or if you can make it work? Because it seems like Ty has been able to kind of make it work so far. I don't know if they have an answer yet. I, I think they want to see it all play out. I don't know. I never ask about personnel decisions, but you, you mentioned that the depth is crazy. You know, I was going through it with my son and I'm like, man, I haven't even gotten to Isaiah Hartenstein yet. And right. We're like nine, 10 deep for next year. And if they can keep him, uh, which would be a great thing uh, because he's been wonderful. You talk about player development. Um, the depth is it's an embarrassment of riches on the wing. And you've got, you've got so many options uh, to play kind of small ball with just so many different people and length. You know, Robert Covington is a free agent, but he fits everything the Clippers would ever want in a player. Obviously, the price will be kind of what determines everything going forward for these guys. But, uh, you know, I, this is the one thing that I love. And I, I've said this before, probably to you on this podcast, but, you know, whatever the roster is going into the off season, there's so much faith in the front office that it's unwavering to me. I, I just know whatever decisions they make are the exact right play. Like look at the, look at the Norman Powell situation. How do they get Norman Powell? Yeah. How do they get a talent like that? It's crazy what they were able to do. And I remember talking with Lawrence, this is a couple of years ago, Lawrence Frank, uh, president of basketball operations. And, uh, he was just saying, you know, where we need to win now is in the margins. We need to maximize, you know, quote unquote assets, whether that is uh, make sure you're drafting the right guy in the second round. Or if you're going to use a draft pick, make sure it's something in the long term, it, whatever it was, you know, and in this case, they used an expiring contract of a, a just a wonderful person of Eric Bledsoe. He, it wasn't that he was anything other than an expiring deal for the Clippers that he was awesome to be around and won games for the Clippers. But to turn that into four more years of Norman Powell, mm -hmm. are you crazy? How does that work? They figured out they have a, they've got so many wings on that roster. If you say they don't make a move, this is the roster that goes forward next year. I'd say this is the way it's supposed to be. Then let's get it done. I trust so much in what they're doing that I just look forward to all the moves because I just, I know it's the right one. Just looking at next year, uh, and you just salivate over a Powell, Kawhi, PG, those three guys together, and then maybe if they re-sign Covington and put those four on the floor and you add a Marcus or you add a Nico or a Zoo, it's just unbelievable what they can do with those types of players. And it, it makes you kind of just enjoy this year because – yeah, you may be losing some games, but man, the process is clearly right. And you just hope that it continues to carry over to the next year. And I brought up um, Amir before. Have there been any other players specifically, one or two guys that have stood out to you this season? Well, Hartenstein obviously is, mm -hmm. is, is a big one. Um, he was a guy that I thought, you know, uh, I remember seeing him in Houston. He played a game against the Clippers, and I remember being like, that, that guy's really pretty good. I, I did not know he was this great. I really didn't. Uh, I think Hartenstein is absolutely amazing um, in what he can do in that role. Where does he go next year? My gosh, I would love it if he stayed here because he makes some – if you look at our advanced numbers, we're best offensively and defensively when he is on the floor. 
Um, let me see here. Luke Kennard has been impressive to me. And yeah. this is the guy that the front office saw in Detroit. I talked with Luke early in the season. He said that there was an adjustment of just getting acclimated, getting comfortable. And I brought it up. I don't know if I put words in his mouth, but I said, is it a different environment from, you know, not being invited to the bubble with the Pistons, a team that has really no chance to make the playoffs? versus and then going straight into a championship environment he said that was an adjustment period well he's adjusted he's legit like he is awesome and a ton of fun to watch brandon boston jr's got the highs and lows of a 19 year old who's in the league you know now 20 but this is another guy i mean you look at the roster next year you've got so much talent on here it's just going to be fun to see if they keep it which it would be great if they did if they can make a maneuver or two to strengthen maybe the point guard position maybe that's what they do um, I, I went around the block to answer your question to go next door, but hmm. I, I've just loved all the guys that have played. You know what I mean? Like you've got, you know, Terrence Mann, when, when required, he's a guy that can put up points. You know, there's seven, I think there's seven and oh, when he scores 20 or more and they've needed those 20, they haven't come in blowout environments. He has been awesome. So I just, I love this team, man. I love the future. I love where they're at. And, and I just feel so great going forward and when you think about the moves that they've made here brandon so you bring in you've got you've got Kawhi and pg okay well they're 30 plus years old okay so now you bring in a guy like norman powell that can more than shoulder the burden we saw i mean this guy is absolutely fantastic you're going to bring along terrence mann and brandon boston to help the heavy lifting in the regular season the Kawhis and the PGs, they're going to be able to do their business in the postseason. They should be fresh. These are just kind of in theory things and, you know, concept ideas. But then you, you've got such young talent as well, which I was worried about when they went all in for PG, which was the right move. How are they going to get better? They have found a way to get better and get younger. And it's amazing. And again, another testament to the entire front office. They just do such a great job. They do indeed. A couple more minutes with Brian Seaman. Folks, stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name to get a three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on just takes one click and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like NBA League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. We'll close with this one, Brian, because you've seen every team now, I believe, Who's impressed you the most? Obviously, the Clippers have faced a bunch of teams that are currently in the fight to win the West, win the East. Which team has impressed you the most? I'm probably not going out on a limb when I say this. I mean, obviously, Golden State, you know, with Steph can make some things happen. Clay looks pretty good. Um, they were surprising to me, but they have that pedigree. So to me, the most impressive team this year has been the Memphis Grizzlies. And I will say this, they're on my short, short, short list of getting to the NBA finals. Now they're going to have to go through the other two best teams in the league and the Suns and the Warriors, if they're going to do it. But I think they are absolutely so fun to watch. And quite honestly, I enjoyed watching them during their grit and grind days, even though they were a pain in the neck for the Clippers. I love the way they played. It's the exact opposite style as they have followed the way the league is played now. John Morant, the easiest guy to root for. Their whole lineup is awesome. Taylor Jenkins, their head coach, has been next level. 
these guys are amazing. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, if, when the Clippers, if they can't get it done this year, I would root for Memphis for sure. And I think that they could do it and it would be what a testament uh, to that front office as well. So Memphis has been a, a great surprise. They do lack three point shooting, which might be kind of their undoing in the playoffs, but they play and defend so hard that they'll keep themselves in it. Another fun surprise has been Cleveland. Uh, I used to work with JB Bickerstaff. He was the, radio analyst for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I did TV, radio sidelines, TV sidelines for a small minute uh, when he was there. So our paths crossed. I always root for him. He's finally gotten a good team. But it's been a lot of fun to watch those other teams. Like I mentioned, the Memphises of the world. It's just been uh, what a thrill. And, and John Morant's one of the most likable guys and easiest watch on the league pass, I think, as there is. He's always going to make something happen. And they're going to be there for a while. So the Clippers next year, even when healthy, knock on wood, they can get there. They're going to have their hands full. So next year is going to be a lot of fun when fully loaded, uh, but this year is not over. And I expect there to be some very interesting things to happen. That's my hope anyway. Yeah. Memphis has been a thorn in the Clippers side to say the least. And they've been good. I mean, that's an example of drafting well and having your guys pay off. I mean, you look at Jackson Morant and Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark. I mean, they've got a lot of youth and a really good team. One final one for you, because I can't have you on this pod without talking a tiny bit of golf. What are your uh, thoughts on this Saudi uh, Arabia league that's possibly, maybe, who knows if it's going to be created? You know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, uh, there's some issues over there that uh, I don't think this is a podcast to get into. Yeah. I will say I understand where Phil Mickelson is coming from, but you've got to be careful who you're doing business with and who you're going to leverage. I know Phil has had issues with the PGA Tour for a long time when it comes to scheduling, when it comes to back-to-back events that are required. Uh, I, I don't think this is straight about money. I don't think it is for the players. I think it's more about kind of just other things that go on inside the ropes and inside that locker room that we're not privy to. But Phil has been outspoken about the tour for a long time. And I understand his desires. I don't, and, and others will say probably not the case, but I, I don't think this was financially motivated for him. I think this was something to get the PGA Tour's attention to say, this is what we want or else. But you got to be careful with who you get into bed to. That'd be a tough, that's a tough sell. He's, he's paying the price right now, um, you know, for trying to be the greater good of, of golf. I do believe him when he says that. The Saudi League, it's just not the same. I don't, I, to me, I don't care about anything that's not a major. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can have all the majors they want in their own world, in their own golf league. It doesn't matter. Jack Nicholas never won them. Ben Hogan never played in them. That's how I measure these guys. And so uh, unless you're trying to make a par putt at number 12 uh, in April at Augusta, I don't, I don't, I have no interest in what you're doing over overseas. So uh, I'm a I'm a true historian. I think that's what golfers are. They appreciate the history of the game. So anybody that goes over there would be just a glorified exhibition. If they want to do that, they're going to tarnish their legacy. They might make some bucks and disappear. That's great for them, but they won't be known as great golfers if they win over there. It's all about what happens here in the states. And uh, you know, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, you know, those before them, Palmer, Hogan, those guys all set the bar. That's what we're looking for. I do not care what you do in another league. I just don't. And so they can go get their money. It, maybe it makes it the playing field a little less here in the States, but we'll remember who wins the majors here. We won't remember anything that goes on over there. Amen. And Augusta right around the corner. Brian, always glad to have you on and talk Clippers basketball. My friend, thank you very much for popping on and giving us your time. Always happy to do it, Brandon. 
Always a fun time when Brian Seaman comes on the pod. He is a great guy, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Hey, quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you to use all the coupon codes we've got. Use the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also, check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Hope you enjoyed the pod. You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the podcast at Ethos Clippers, of course. Hit me up on Twitter at BDMarcus. Let me know what you think, if there's anybody you want to have on. And just always nice to hear from you. And if you want to rate and review the podcast, always appreciate that as well. The Clippers have the Lakers coming up tomorrow, then at Houston on Sunday and at Houston on Tuesday. Hopefully check in at some point in the next couple of days. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the pod. Until next time, go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.